This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and trianglebewell.com. This is guest Lanny Mulrath's third appearance on the Plant Yourself Podcast. This is a rare Monday release, and it's because her book, The Plant-Based Journey, comes out tomorrow, and she's offering a whole bunch of bonuses to people who pre-order. So I wanted to get this out in time for you to get those pre-order bonuses. So in the interest of getting this baby out into the world, without further ado, Lanny Mulrath, welcome back, back to the Plant Yourself Podcast. Thank you, Howard. I'm so pleased to be here. Yeah, I don't think I can call you a guest anymore. Like, you're, <laughs> you're a regular. You're my first regular. Well, I'm the lucky one. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's very mutual. So we're, we're doing this uh, kind of um, in a rush in passing, and I, I wanted to really get on the uh, promotion, promotional media bandwagon for The Plant-Based Journey, your new Yay. book that's coming out. Like, by the time people hear this, it, I think yeah. it'll, it'll be out. Yes. Um, so why'd you write the book? Well, I had just got this question the other day about um, how long is it did, did you, have you been writing this book and, and what were your reasons? And I realized that this book has been in the make for about seven years because it, it started with an early program I was teaching called the Fitness Blueprint, where I was helping people address the biggest challenges for change to a healthy lifestyle. And I became very aware, as you and I have discussed before, Howard, that it really takes the three pillars of looking at the food and looking in the fitness and looking at the frame of mind to make effective lifestyle change, correct? So then as time went on, this started to become more and more with my work in working with people to transition to plant-based living. And that those kinds of clients and classes just started growing more and more. But the same issues that I had seen before were the same ones that were tripping people up, addressing all the things that they really need to look at for making effective lifestyle change. So when it comes to changing to a plant-based diet, people can eat easily, this is one of the first uh, obstacles that people face, is become really excited about eating this way. Maybe they go to a, a special event or an immersion weekend or they they go, are with a friend who is eating this plant-based diet and have had good results and eating good food and then for some reason feel they should just be able to walk home and just that's all going to happen for them without looking at really what tools they need to make to leverage change, just as we do for any lifestyle change. That's number one. And the other is looking under the surface for those hidden obstacles that we may not really be aware of that are getting in our way of change. Mm. So I'll start there and pause so you can interject. Okay, yeah. So what I was thinking of is like... um... You know, I went to a concert the other day, and I was really transfixed by the music. And it's like saying, well, now I'm going to come home, and I'm going to, uh, you know, play the bass. <laughs> and I'm, yeah. And I'm going to play the electric guitar, because they did it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we aren't, as adults, It's it can be really hard to learn new things. We don't like to look like we don't know how to do something. We really become accustomed to being in a groove, even though sometimes it's a damaging rut. It's just become our lifestyle. So it can take more attention to detail to make those shifts. But it's necessary for long-term sustainable change. And that's what I'm interested in, Howard. Sustainable change, not just flash in the pan overnight. Right. And something else that I've noticed is 
let's say, you know, even at my stage, and I feel like I'm pretty good at a lot of this stuff, yeah. is I'll go, I'll go somewhere and I'll taste a food, and it will be just amazing. It will be, you know, <laughs> like one of Miyoko's creations, something that's just like over the top. And then I'll, I'll make it at home, and it'll be almost as good. And then I'll just like make it five or six times the, in the next two weeks, and then I'm tired of it. Yeah. It's you know it's like what, you think like okay I just had this incredible meal at the immersion weekend <laughs> and I bought the cookbook and I came home and I made all the same food and it was exciting partly because it was variety. It yeah. Was, you know, it was yeah. Like, it was like an affair. Yeah, like, that's a good point. This is really exciting. And then you know after the 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 tenth you know meeting with the same food you're like okay it, <laughs> it, it wasn't the food I mean it was the food it was you know high quality. But it was also this sense of accomplishment, newness, variety. So how do people yeah. how do people get yeah. that into their lives at the same time as you want to keep it simple and just have, you know, a basic palette of, of foods? Yeah. Well, one thing in response to your specific situation is a little bit knowing a little bit about yourself. If you know that that's you, you like a rhythm of kind of go out and do something. And then after a couple of weeks, it, it, uh, it's excitement fades away. Well, that's maybe particular to your personality and you can work with that. But when it comes to wait, what was the second part of your question? I was responding to your first thing. What was the question yeah, you well, came about, in with? Yeah, about balancing the needs. Oh, oh, I know. Okay. I know where I was going to go with that. I address this in the plant-based journey through the templates and the easy meal planner because I found this is also one uh, related to one of the problems. Very common that people come away thinking they do need to create some kind of elaborate dish or learn to be a specialized cook. Now, if you want to start branching out and learning special recipes, as you just described, that's great too. But to put that expectation on yourself out of the gate is just a crumbling wall that's waiting to fall. It's the expectation's too high. It's too high a demand, especially for someone like me, who's, I'm a very lazy cook, but I love to eat. So there's, (laughs) there's a set up for you. I want a simple yet delicious. So I, knowing that there are many other people like that in the world and knowing how essential being able to be simple about creating plant-based plates is for transition, I built that heavily into the book. And the templates, Howard, I'm really excited that it's already been getting really good advanced reviews. The, the books are barely landing at people's hands. And I'm getting emails and comments that... I love the templates. I love the templates, but that's what they are. They're simple um, templates for either meals or for dishes themselves. So that's my solution to that problem. Mm -hmm. How did you create the templates? I just looked at what I do. (laughs) because that's what I do. For example, one of the examples from the book is my savory vegetable template. And you probably prepare vegetables like this too. I'll use vegetable broth, put it in a pan, like a stainless steel pan and chop up vegetables just to do a little bit of a a saute rather than using oil, add a few seasonings. And all you have to do from that is vary the vegetables. Now, for those of us who've been eating and cooking like that for a long time, that's like, oh, well, gosh, who couldn't do that? Who doesn't think of that? Well, that's the point. We've been doing it a long time, so it's automatic. But people new to this aren't aware of how 
easy it is to make something savory just with a template like that. So I start out with the savory vegetables template is in there. And then I say, well, you could use these two vegetables in this seasoning or these two vegetables in this seasoning to give people some simple tools to start out with. Mm. And it also, it also feels like when you're new to the world of plant-based eating and so you're your taste buds have acclimated to, you know, roasted meats and, and high sugar, high fat, high salt, right? The, the addictive diet of, of the, the average American. And then you were trying to downshift those taste buds a little bit, but still you want to bring people into the movement and into the lifestyle with, with really tasty stuff. But at some point you've got to say, appreciate the taste of this carrot, or appreciate appreciate this this leaf of bok choy, just for what it is, right? With, with that, without like like you know, it's like again, I'm coming back to like a dating metaphor that everyone puts on their you know their makeup and their and their you know they shave and but at some point you just gotta like the person for who they are without without the dress up. Yeah, well, my I think it's really important that the t- food tastes good. And so that is where I go with plant-based, plant-based journey. I am not a person who wants to rip your salt shaker and your sugar bowl completely out of your hands from day one. This is going to be counterproductive for people who are really aspiring to make this change. But as you said, there's such a, a, a big divide from what they're used to eating and what they want to start eating more of. So rather than put a black or white wall that can easily crash and crumble, it kind of that's come in the conversation already before, I want people moving more of these healthful foods and plantifying their plates more, nudging out the foods that are less healthful. Some people can do a big change overnight. But as a survey in the plant-based journey shows, from those 1,200 or more people that I interviewed, some people can do overnight change and some people, most people, really need to do incremental changes. So back to the point. The food has to taste good. So I'm not going to push on page one of making your shift that go appreciate a single leaf of bok choy. I don't want people thinking this is the nuts and twigs diet because I think that just kills the movement and it kills the joy of plant-based living. Gotcha. So I hear a lot of people who, you know, it's, it's a big debate in sort of behavioral circles and especially around nutritional circles around cold turkey I think we need a better word for that. Um, <laughs> um, you know, ver- versus, you know, from a behavioral standpoint, making things um, gradual and incremental makes sense. But from an addictive point of view, there's an argument to be made that certain things, you know, you, it's easier to quit cigarettes than to have one fewer a day. Um, are, there, are there things that you tell people to not be incremental about like you know like cheese or dairy are there things you just say look just bite the bullet and eliminate this and you'll go through a struggle for a while or do you think everything can work on an incremental uh, progressive basis i think this can be an individual situation too and i did quite a bit of research with the addictive the food addictions as a matter of fact my section is called food addictions or addictive foods Because I think that there's an important shift between those two things that people need to understand. The research tells us at this point that it is really only a small percentage of the population, usually overweight or obese people who are eating huge quantities of sugar and highly concentrated foods daily, that actually have a food addiction to those 
qualities of foods. The rest of us fall in the place of being easily interested in overconsuming highly palatable foods, which is my description of addictive foods rather than food addiction. Now, I've, I came across my own, uh, my own take on all of this, not only through the research, but also through my own experience. I used to think I was a sugar addict, a sweets addict, that I was just helpless around sweets. And when I started feeding myself better, that means not trying to starve off a few pounds or you know, just be really strict about dietary intake. Uh, I found that I was really just hungry. I wasn't addicted to anything at all other than food, which we all should be, right? It's mm-hmm. like food and air and water. If we're, not, if we're not consuming them, we're just going to waste away. So here's the thing. It is highly individual. Some people feel that if they completely remove certain items from their diet, that they have an easier way of changing their tastes. Other people can still enjoy certain amounts of those. And so what I stress is it's important to know who you are. If someone feels like they are really addicted to highly pleasurable foods and they need to cut them out completely, who and it's working for them, who am I to tell them that's not the way to go? But there are so many people on the other side of that who feel like, uh, if they do, you know, break the rules a little bit, that they there's this tremendous load of guilt that then inspires further comfort eating to alleviate the guilt. So it's kind of counterproductive in that regard. So that is to do with the highly palatable foods. When it comes to animal products, since I my reasons for going plant based are. I have all three of the big reasons out there. One is health and weight. One is the animals, a lot of animals, and one is for environmental reasons. So I encourage people to really pick those those animal products and just get a, to replacing them as quickly as possible with plant foods in and animal products out. And another thing is, okay, for and I wanted to talk a little bit more about this over this cold turkey. Thing, okay. Uh-huh. Did you want to say something before I go on? Because no, I have a little ahead. more to say about that. Okay. If you are going to do that approach, this is where you need to really then be prepared for the changes that are going to take place. And this is why the five steps of transition to a plant-based lifestyle, as I have them in a plant-based journey, are so critical for having success, whether you are going slow or going uh, overnight. If you try to bypass one of these five steps, you are not going to be successful because in everybody who I have interviewed and coached who has been successful has addressed these five steps. And one of those is making sure you are prepared with the proper things in your kitchen, in your refrigerator, and in your pantry to support the change at whatever level it is you are jumping in at. Mm. So that that reminds me of, you know, I think it was a a book called Change Anything, uh, that talked about you know you want to you want to climb Everest, and that's great that you have the motivation and you have the goal, and you have a vision and you have a, a big why. If you don't have like a backpack and the right boots, good luck. That's a really good illustration. Yeah, very very clear. All right. So what what are I don't want to get too much into the details because um, that's why you wrote the book. But what's what's sort of one big thing that people don't think about in terms of preparation, just nuts and bolts? I think that the expectation of being 100% successful and being a good cook 
gets in more people's way than they even know. There, there's some kind of a subconscious expectation. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to jump into it and expecting it to be all perfect and having huge marks against themselves for doing any kind of falling short, whether it's a dish that they made that they didn't like how it came out, that something, you know, failed in the cooking process, that they weren't prepared with one item or another, that something slipped in on their plate that they weren't expecting. There is a, and the research supports this as being a problem for change. There's something called um, dietary disinhibition. So just to explain, when we are trying to change our diet, you are trying to do some kind of, um, you're trying to inhibit some previous practice and embrace another one. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the research shows us that when we have too high an expectation or are too strict against any kind of gray area or transgression that accelerates dietary disinhibition. That it, an, an example of that is, oh, I ate just one cookie, I might as well eat the whole bag. That's a, it's a strict wall you set up, I'm not going to eat any more cookies, then all of a sudden you have a cookie, and then the dietary disinhibition response that happens to that moves you rapidly in the opposite direction of that to which you wanted to go. Hmm. That reminds me a lot of, gosh, 30, 30 years ago now, I was studying um, learning behaviors. And uh, I was studying a, a guy named Michael Gelb, who'd written a book on the Alexander Technique. And the idea of, of, of inhibition first, before you learn a new behavior, you have to inhibit your habitual behavior, and how important it is to get the inhibition mm. right first. So we, he talked about it in terms of juggling. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if, if I'm learning to juggle, the problem is, you know, that I'm, I'll throw the ball up and it'll be a bad throw and I'll reach for it. And the reaching for it is going to throw everything else off. So the first thing you have to do is learn how to not go after bad throws. <laughs> you throw it up in the air yeah. and you let it fall on the ground. And it feels like, you know, if I felt, and, and I've seen this, and I've, I've taught thousands of people how to juggle. Uh, my, one of my previous really? careers was a, I was a circus instructor um, for, you know, clowning, clowning and juggling skills. And I, I taught it in PE classes all over the place. Wow. Um, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, it's, you know, cl clowning and juggling were such a great way to get <laughs> girls in my early 20s, you know. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I kind of blocked it out. <laughs> oh, plus you're kind of cute, so I can see the whole thing going together for you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, uh, those three clubs are a real chick magnet, I'll tell you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, you know, and seeing the people, who, the people who wanted to learn it the fastest and get it right, and the people for whom dropping it felt like failure, they were never going to learn. Uh, I used to teach people how to ride a unicycle, too. It was even, even clearer. The people who didn't want to fall off the unicycle never learned. The people who you'd hear them clattering in the gym floor 20 times a yeah. minute. Within two days, they'd be up and riding. Yeah, this is a that's this is such a really good example, Howard. I'm glad you brought this up, and I know all about Alexander technique, but I wasn't familiar with this book. But this is exactly the same thing, and it brings up another important point too. So, using your allegory of the juggling, and you have to resist your your impulse to go out and reach the ball. That's the same thing as when someone is juggling components of a dietary change and something, the ball goes out of orbit 
unexpectedly, <laughs> meaning something, you know, you ate something off plan or you it's this or that happened. And the urge to follow through on previous patterns of either falling further out of line or just distracting yourself from the main goal, which means what is that to primarily eat whole plant foods and we can get so distracted with those little failures and that is why my approach is to put so much attention on mindset mastery meaning learning how how do you deal how do you make that happen so that you don't follow these impulses to further delay the project or to derail the program where you're going, you know, your, your railroad to success. You need attention to be able to not reach for that out of cycle ball, right? Right. It takes mental focus and you can train specifically for that and you must for any lifestyle change. You can't just expect it to happen and this I think is a huge stumbling block for many people. You need to also cultivate mindfulness so that you are aware of these vicissitudes of change and not going after in, um, impulsive, habituated responses so that you can have a new result. Yeah. So um, last week's um, podcast was with a friend of mine, Glenn Livingston, who's a psychologist who just wrote a book called Never Binge Again. And he talks about something that we, we've discussed as um, keeping a secret from yourself. It's, it's, it's this idea that when you, when you decide to change your diet, you lay down certain rules for yourself. And you say, okay, here's where I'm going, and I'm not doing that anymore. And yet, you know you will. But at the moment, <laughs> at the moment you say it, you believe your commitment. But at the moment that you actually falter and, cr- and you know, cross that line or break your own rule, you then say, well, we knew this was going to happen a few times, and it's no big deal. I don't have to, mm. ch- I don't have to chase down the cookie with the rest of the box. And then when you go back on, you say, well, I'm never going to do that again. It's almost, it's almost like having, you know, two different sets of mindset tools for, you know, committing to, you know, he talks about like committing to in a marriage, you know, like, well, I'll be mostly faithful. Mm-hmm. And, and yet if there's an infidelity, you, you then say, OK, well, that's never going to happen again. How, how do you feel about that kind of dual dual mindset. Does that, does that, uh, well, I'm not quite clear on, um, having the dual mindset is, are they, they, so they're both present. You can have that strong commitment, but also be aware that there may be a gray area going in. Well, for, for him, it's, you have this strong commitment and you don't think about breaking it. You don't, that's not part of your mindset, Mm -hmm. but but when it happens, you're not surprised yeah. by it, and you don't yeah. spiral into comfort eating. Yeah. I address that in the Mindset Mastery chapter in the Plant-Based Journey because I think it is very important going in that we understand part of the human predicament, which shows up as resistance to change in many different ways. And you've named one of them. Um, another thing is this, you know, this perfectionism. And I like people to understand that striving for excellence is not to be confused with perfectionism. They're two different things. So that's, that could be 
speak to what the example you gave to. You strive for excellence, but then you also need to understand the human predicament, which is a fluctuating motivation and all of those kinds of things in together. So I do have that specifically addressed. Be prepared that you may experience this, you may experience that. We have all kinds of biases that uh, human nature, all kinds of biases that are create resistance to change, such as status quo bias. We all just like to maintain status quo. It's just easier than, you know, making a change. There's loss aversion. We don't want to experience the um, a loss that might be happened with a lifestyle change. There's all kinds of things that come into play that being foreknowledged about can be helpful to, and that's all part of Mindset Mastery. Hmm. I love that idea of loss aversion in this context because I've thought about it a lot, you know, of reading, you know, behavioral economists like Dan Ariely talk about that we're much, we're about twice as sensitive to loss as we are to potential gain. So we would, we would, hmm. do, we would do yeah. more to not lose $100 than to make $200. <laughs> it's but, true, isn't it? But I yeah. never thought about it in terms of a lifestyle or behavioral shift. Like, okay, so I'm going to get my health back. Which, you know, which is going to be great, and I, and I will go off these meds, and I'll be able to go to my granddaughter's wedding, but I won't be able to eat cheese doodles. Yeah. <laughs> like, those cheese doodles are like 100. Yeah. They, they weigh as much as, you know, your granddaughter's wedding. Yeah, yeah. Um, another example of that is uh, what sprung into my mind is a woman who attended a presentation of mine about uh, – being sure to fuel well from early in the day. And she was had probably about a 25-pound uh, weight problem. And she her problem was she was a gourmet cook, and she just loved starving all day and then making this huge, rich meal at night. Hmm. And I said, you know, I'm all about, I'm uh, an advocate of intermittent fasting. I don't think you have to eat all day every day. But for most of us, being well-fueled with high-fiber foods from early on most days is going to be helpful. So she had a problem here. This was obviously contributing to her problem was to be able all these rich foods at the end of the day. Well, that was going to be a loss for her if she didn't have that to look forward to. So that's important to have compassion with yourself with these kinds of things. And to also understand, well, what's more important to me? Is it more important to me to keep that and I'll probably have those excess pounds? Or do I want to swap it out for something else? Loss of virgin. <laughs> this, is, this is fascinating stuff, isn't it? There's always... Uh, yeah, yeah. There's always more to bring in. I, I can imagine <laughs> like both of us having a conversation in 10 years, you know, going, boy, look, think of all the stuff we didn't know in 2015. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully. And, and I know you, like me, we just like to keep growing and changing and staying up with the research and sharing out about it and trying to keep staying back and taking, standing back and taking an honest look so that we can be most effective for those people that we want to serve. Right on. Um, any other um, big issues that you see people, you know, try, trying that end up being counterproductive. Like, I, like, like we all know that there's certain things we shouldn't do and should do, but there's a lot of stuff we do in the service of reaching a goal that ends up um, being counterproductive. So you mentioned, you know, that that perfectionism and disinhibition. Are there other things like that that you see a lot of people doing as they try to go plant based? Well, one of the things to remember is that no matter how far along this path you have progressed is that, as we were just saying, we're always, always learning. 
And even as I have been through all of these experiences before and have had ex- experienced the success that I have with a sustained 50-pound weight loss and being able to eat like this happily and in with great food on my plate day after day, that it's still easy for us to start to develop little things through the course of the day that are going to be counterproductive that we need to steer ourselves back in course on. I have a couple of um, examples like this in the book. And I also have an example on that new special report I have up about four steps to offset that creeping weight gain that we all seem to have um, happen as we get older. What causes that creeping weight gain? An example I have in that special report is um, chunks of chocolate I noted I was going through a period of time where I had like a piece of dark chocolate after lunch, after dinner, and boy, wasn't that good. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know, a little bit of dark chocolate. And then all of a sudden I thought, well, that sounds really good after lunch too. You know, let's have that <laughs> after lunch. And actually this may be an example from the book because um, I have a different example in the special report. So it doesn't matter where it comes from because I really get this thing. This is important for people to remember. This is an ongoing process. So then, so now I'm having a little chocolate after dinner and a little after lunch. And then, well, it was two squares of chocolate. And it wasn't that good. And I just knew from my experience that this was probably up to no good. This was not going to lead to sustained weight management. It was probably going to move away from that. So here I had developed it again. As far along the trail as I am, this still had come up for me. So I thought, okay. Let's make a change here because this is not compatible with your long-term goals. So I did exactly what the whole micro-change thing. I started swapping out some sweet frozen fruit for the chocolate. And for about two or three weeks, I did that instead. So it was a replacement. Yes, did I miss the chocolate? Yeah. But now I had something to replace it with. And guess what? That whole desire for something sweet after each meal just eventually faded away and I kind of forgot about it all. But this is what you have to, that's why those steps of awareness and intention and identifying the micro change and practicing it, those four steps are repeated throughout the plant-based journey and applied to several different situations, whether it's eating, whether it's exercise, whether it's mindset mastery, those are tools you are going to need for successful life ongoing. Right. I, I hear another uh, mindset that you needed at the very beginning, which is humility. Because like it'd be really easy to say, I'm Lanny, you know, I've sustained. I I don't need to worry about this. Like I've got this handled, and you you quickly became aware. Not not in it doesn't sound like you were like beating yourself up over it, but sort of like a like third person witness curiosity, saying, Look at this thing. This is not compatible with my goals. Let's deal with it. Yes, and I think that that's really important, that connection that I have with people with the plant-based journey or um, on my blog or my clients is I make no, you know, make no claims that I have got it all together, but I do make the claim that I have developed the tools that help me navigate this successfully on an ongoing basis. And if I can give you examples in ongoing situations from my personal life that are going to be helpful to you, and they always are, Howard, you know how it is. You share that something worked for you in a situation and you applied your own tools that you teach. That has so much value for people. And I'm happy to self-efface and bring the truth to the table on that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about when you said, okay, self, we're going to have frozen fruit instead of dark chocolate. <laughs> Was there any part of you that argued back? 
Did you hear any voice that said, no, that's not necessary. Okay, we'll drop it after lunch. Just leave me alone. Like, did you, you I know? think I did. I'm sure I did. You know, that's not sticking out in my head. But like I said, I missed the chocolate for the first two or three weeks. So it was a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. Sure, and I'd still like to be one of those people that could eat as much chocolate as they want any day, all the time, and not have a weight or health problem. You know, that was a long time. I called it the spoiled brat syndrome. That kind of kept <laughs> me fat. For, <laughs> it kept me fat for a long time because I don't have a body that allows me to do that. Some people have bodies like that, but mine is not one of them. And when I got off the fence about that, my life changed. As a matter of fact, that was my line to myself. Lanny, get off the fence. Mm. <laughs> Right. And I'm, and I'm guessing that that sense of entitlement um, was was pervasive. Right. I know for me that when I have an issue around food, like I thank the food because it shows it to me. But there's probably areas of my life where it's not so clear, where I feel entitled in my work, where I feel mm. entitled in family relationships. It's like, you know, the scale kind of rubs your nose in. Here's an area for personal growth, Howard. Okay, now you give me a whole bunch more to think about, so I'll have to do that. (laughs) 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 Um, So how's the the launch going? I know the book isn't out yet, but you do have it in people's hands. Yeah, it's starting to show up. What have you been hearing? Well, since 4th of July... She has been number one hot new release for Vegetarian on Amazon, and she's not even released yet. So I'm thinking that's a good thing, even though everyone's, you know, Amazon numbers can be fickle and who knows what their logarithms are, but algorithms are. But it's kind of nice to see that little number one in red, you know, by the top, uh, by the book title. The early, this is the blog tour is going on now, too. So this is day five of the blog tour. And really sparkling reviews where people are seeing really under the surface of what this the plant-based journey has to bring people in its depth a lot of excitement about those templates that i was telling you about uh, excitement about the joy of the step-by-step simple breakdown and this is pervading over everything this sense of relief that people are getting by having a tool now in the plant-based journey to make them feel encouraged and positively moving forward. There's a lot of information we already have in literature about that the health aspects of a plant-based diet. We have lots of doctors and dietitians putting these wonderful books together for us that are, you know, my bookshelf is full of them. These are my resources. But we're connecting these people's work, the doctors and the dietitians and the research scientists, with your reality is where I come in. And just last week, one of the first people to um, order the book, she'd gone and read the Amazon. They put quite an excerpt up there. And she said, oh, my gosh, I just read the excerpt. And I have to tell you, I have at least five plant-based books on my shelf. But yours is the first one that has to do with real life. And I thought, oh, this, that was so exciting for me to hear, Howard, because that's what I want to do. I'm a teacher. So that's what sets the plant-based journey apart from other nutritional books or transition guides is that I'm skilled and trained in how to build like a teacher's curriculum for going from here to there and building upon the wins and the successes so that you can have long-term sustainable change. That sounds awesome. 
Yeah, I'm very excited. You never know. You know, it goes off to the printer and you squeeze your eyes and you cross your fingers and just hope for the best. <laughs> right. So you also mentioned to me um, a while ago that some people were ordering it as classroom texts. Yes. Yes. Can you believe that? Um, that as a teacher, can you imagine? I have several people who are either plant-based living coaches, food for life coaches, which is a Neil Barnard program. I have a uh, there's a registered dietitian who is head of the nutrition department in a college not far from where I live, and all these people have batch ordered copies to use as instructional training manuals for their clients and their students and their classes. So that is to me like the ultimate for a teacher to have their guide used as an instructional guide and it reinforces what I wanted this book to be that's exactly what I wanted right well yeah you you, you want to be out there teaching the world but there's only one of you right so <laughs> you can get other other people to share your curriculum that's uh that's well that, that they leverage. yeah and that they are finding it's easy to move into their own course because to everyone who teaches, even if you teach using a resource or a book, you're still connecting the curriculum with your students. You're still finding people where they are and helping them apply that to where, where they want to go. So the fact that teachers are finding it an effective and fr user-friendly tool for them is exhilarating for me. That's terrific. And so tell, tell me when the book launches exactly. September 15 is official launch date. So I don't know why that is set up like that. If the book, you know, trickles out beforehand, I guess you have to have a point in time somewhere, right? <laughs> so that's, uh, so that's Tuesday. So that's actually the, the day that this will be, uh, will be out into the world. So today, everyone, <laughs> through, the, through the miracle of audio time travel, you today you can go to Amazon and get... The Plant-Based Journey, and if you're um, on, on the show notes for this show, um, you can just scroll down and there'll be a link right there. Well, also, I should say that there are pre-order bonuses in place, and those will be going away after the 15th. So you can still, up to the 15th, send in your receipt to, I have the information at uh, theplantbasedjourney.com. It tells you where to send your receipt so you can get one of the bonuses that's available. Uh-oh, you know what we got to do? You just you just messed with a time honored tradition of publishing this on Tuesday. Next week I'm going to do it on Monday, the 14th. So mm. people who listen to the early adopters of this show can get their bonuses. Very nice, very nice. If that works for you, yeah, I you know your yeah, schedule. You, you just ruined my Sunday. That's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no problem whatsoever. Actually, next yeah, Sunday is the uh, the end of the uh, plant based prevention of disease conference in Raleigh. Uh, oh, that's big. See a lot, a lot of our heroes uh, over there. Oh, are you presenting that or are you attending? Uh, I'm just attending. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is like more, more medical people. So I, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I didn't forge a, a, a medical license okay. to apply. You didn't do that in between juggling courses? and. No, you know, <laughs> a, I started looking up diploma mills, but they were expensive. So let's <laughs> go get the degree. No, that's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's plenty of doctors out there. The world, the world needs more, more of us to uh, kind of help, 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 yeah. it get, help it get into their lives. That's right. That's right. So, any anything else uh, we should we should cover before we say goodbye and let people go and order on Amazon? Well, I think you've done a really good job of pulling out some of the highlights and and making an opportunity to underscore 
the value of the plant-based journey and the difference that it can make for them. And that, that it's really important that people find their own way. And that's why I make that a theme throughout the book. I'll, you know, this works for me and this worked for that person. So how are you going to know which works for, for you? People are tired of being told this one thing is the thing that they have to do. And if they don't do it right, then they're a failure. That Whether it's said that way or not, that's how they perceive it. Mm. So though it's important not to just give people gray areas, you, I, what I do is help lead people to find what their own definitive is going to be so that they can build upon success. We all need to have that autonomy, that sense that we can do something and to give you the room to be able to do that in the most effective, long-term, sustainable way possible. You keep hearing me say that. You know, right. sustainability is when I hear someone, oh, yeah, I lost, you know, 50 pounds in five months. Well, that's great. Now come back to me in five years. So let's find out, you know, what's going on there. So, right. Yeah. Like I look at so like our civilization is doing great in the short term. You know, in 300 years, are we going to have any air left? Oh, yep. Yeah. yeah. Short sightedness. So, yeah. And I'll say and I'll say one other thing, because I'm hearing in, in, uh, in the back of my mind, Someone is listening to this saying, okay, yeah, sounds like another great book. You've got a lot of authors on, but I tried stuff, and it, it didn't work. And people kind of feel like, you know, there's, there's something wrong with me. Yeah, with all yeah. the, there's all this stuff out there. And I just want to point out that, like, the, the biggest predictor of what any one of us will do behaviorally is what people around us are doing. And so we are surrounded by a culture and a society and communities in which everyone is doing the opposite of what we want to do. And so, you know, when, when Lanny Muehlrath starts eating too much chocolate, like, that's not shocking. It's like we're all, you know, we're all yeah. in a society in which the default is to do the opposite mm -hmm. of, of what's good for us. And so, you know, it's not you. It's, you know, and so to have to have allies on your side to create your own env micro environment to go along with micro changes, and whether that includes, you know, I, I, the books on my shelf are my friends mm -hmm. because the ones that I keep are the ones that are telling me to be a better person. Yeah. Whereas yeah. society is telling me, ah, you know, just go have fun. You know, yeah. And, and I address that in my introduction too that food is more than just nutrition. It's family and friends and comfort and tradition and social events and family. And like I already said, family. But those are important considerations. And that's usually not just mentioned up front. So I like for people to understand I understand the breadth of this and the influences around us. And that's why. Again, the Mindset Mastery chapter and tools for implementation and how to deal with some of these food pusher situations, whether it's the food itself or people. Uh, I want to give people tools that I've used effectively to be able to do that. Right on. The Plant-Based Journey, published by Ben Bella Books, 2015. Um, on the shelves tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday the 14th. <laughs> and so grab your bonuses now, um, but tell, tell everybody, because this is a book that will make the world a better place. Yay. Thank you so much, Howard. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Lanny, and may you go from strength to strength. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that interview with Lanny Muehlrath. I hope you enjoyed it enough to go and pre-order online the plant-based journey and grab your bonuses. 
In garden news, every week I keep saying the garden is slowing down, and every week it keeps proving me wrong. We're still getting a bumper crop of okra and eggplant, and now that the scuppernong grapes have come in, and the pecan tree branches are so low that I can't walk around the tree without going on a wide circumference, we're looking forward to a really nice fall crop. And we finally got a few uh, raspberries from this year's planting. So uh, nature continues to surprise and delight and over-deliver. A couple of quick advertisements on my own behalf. Um, Proteinaholic, the book that Garth Davis wrote with my help, uh, arrived in my mailbox. And if I say so myself, it's quite lovely. And it's going to be on the shelves October 6th. And if you go to proteinaholic.com, you can click one of the links there and pre-order. And we've got some pre-order bonuses up too, inspired in part by, by Lanny's campaign. So again, that's proteinaholic, protein and A-H-O-L-I-C.com. And the more pre-orders we get, the more likely the publisher is to come out with an audiobook. And if you've ever heard Garth speak, you know that you want to hear him uh, rant and rave and read his own uh, words. Also, uh, at the top of the podcast, I mentioned that uh, I'm from plantyourself.com, but also trianglebewell.com. And trianglebewell.com is my new consulting practice, health consulting around informed decision-making and around helping people implement diet and lifestyle changes. So if you or someone you know is looking to get better, to get off the medical mill, to take advantage of all of the research that's out there, uh, many of which, much of which doctors don't know about, around the best evidence-based ways to be well, uh, I encourage you to check out trianglebewell.com and give me a call if you want to have a call. Uh, right now, uh, I'm offering a limited number of free consultations every month. I think I still have four left for September, and if you just email me at howard at trianglebewell.com, I can try to get you on the schedule for September or if that fills up for October and subsequent months. Today is the first day of the Jewish New Year, so I've been thinking a lot about issues of renewal, of death and rebirth, and so grateful that I've had the opportunity in my life to plant myself and be part of the natural world and not just part of human culture that sits on top of it and apart from it. And that's what I wish for everyone today on this uh, Jewish New Year, and may every day be a day of renewal and renewed connection with our beautiful natural world. And as always, be well, my friends.